Coast Church Charlotte. Um, here's my title. How do I know if I'm in love? <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> How do I know if I am in love? I want to uh, just, before I go any further, I want to say happy birthday to my mom. I love you. I'm rich in you. If nothing else good happens to me, I started three steps past first base just by having you for a mom. How do I know if I'm in love? So uh, this is a very, very common question asked by people who are just, they're past the, the dating stage, but they're not necessarily at the, um, how shall we say, commitment, uh, serious commitment phase. Um, love, is, love is as complicated as the human story. I, I, I can define it in a way that makes it simple, but I will have just scratched the surface of it because love is as complex as the human heart, and the human heart is so complex that we don't even know our own hearts, which if nothing else should make us very slow to judge other people. Can I have a big amen? Because we don't even know our own hearts, so we probably shouldn't have a big, a big opinion on other people's uh, heart. One of the most spiritually mature things you can ever learn to say is, I don't really have an opinion about that. Ooh, <laughs> you're dismissed, thou art healed. <laughs> um, seriously, one of the most spiritually mature things you can say is, I don't know anything about that. I don't think it would be right for me to have an opinion. Um, I don't know anything about him. I would be right. It would be wrong for me to speak out of um, lack of understanding. I don't know anything about her, so I'm just going to mind my own business. It's a very much a spiritual discipline to step out of the role of the judge and simply leave people with God. But there is much, much richness spiritually when you learn how to simply be a witness to the power of God, not a judge of the ways of God or the people of God. Um, we all of us uh, talk about love, we sing about love, we sigh about love, we cry about love. Most of us have uh, been in love or at least a near facsimile of the same. Uh, and so when normally when preachers preach about love, uh, we start by acknowledging the story of the human experience, everything from family, uh, that's in the Greek, that's storage, uh, to agape love, the love without limits, love uh, that is not about the perfection of the beloved, but about the perfection of the lover. Um, it says more about God's, God in that he loved us while we were yet sinners than it will ever say about us, do you see? And so love is complicated subject for us to understand, and yet all of us will say, if you need a reason to live, love is about as good as it gets. All of us will say, um, it doesn't matter how much riches you have, if you don't have someone to love, you are poor and poor indeed. Um, but us preachers will get inevitably to agape love and all of us including the preacher are left with a sense of I, I don't I don't know if I have ever loved anyone or anything like that because it's such a selfless love love normally is looking human love is normally looking for uh 
contract language. Do you know what I mean? You know how when you sign a contract, there's like the big cell at the top, and then there's like this uh, invisible language down at the bottom that's so small that it was never intended to be read. Uh, it was intended to uh, be magnified. And if you brought your magnifying glass, you're fine. Otherwise, it's this all these things at the bottom. What about this? What about this? What about this? Uh, it's like buying insurance for something, and uh, the worst, in my opinion, is buying insurance on travel. Because by the time you read all of the reasons and the circumstances where they won't pay to cover your trip, you literally have to have been shot by a terrorist while ice skating, or they won't cover. Uh, so much of uh, human love is love looking for a loophole. Um, I'll love you as long as this, or I'll love you as long as that. And I'm not better than anybody. Uh, this is a state of the human heart. Um, and we, all of us, we, we wrestle with this um, sense of what is uh, true love versus what is uh, romantic love, what is the love of um, uh, devotion rather than the love of emotion. Um, emotion lasts a few years, and then if it has not been augmented by something else, it gets thinner and thinner like ice melting in the spring until finally it gives way under you because that love that was an emotional experience had to have with it not just emotion, but it had to have devotion. And you all would hear this kind of preaching, almost listening to any preacher uh, here today, um, but uh, I want to admit to you that when I read love as God manifests it, it is so humbling that I really just want to kind of uh, be, you know, give up and just go eat and let that be the end of that sermon. Um, let me, let me, if you're reflective at all, and not everyone is, it's not a bad thing, it's very much a personality thing. Sometimes I wish I was less reflective, but let me uh, use some uh, scripture and absolutely, if you will reflect, uh, rock your foundations of what it means to love. Uh, love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not boast. Love is not arrogant or rude. So I don't know, but I've just eliminated a little over half of everybody in this room right there. That's <laughs> Love does not insist on its own way. Y'all pray for my wife. She, she, that's funny, okay? Love is not irritable or resentful. Thank you very much. Um, so... Uh, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Yes. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Notice verse 11 is the very picture of becoming, of maturing. If you do not understand verse number 11 in this chapter on love, there will be no hope in ever reading a chapter on love because you will be left so far in the dust that you won't even become, I won't even be able to make an effort. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. This is a big deal. There's a lot of people in their middle years still loving like an adolescent. 
thank you, my brother. I thought the same thing. I just didn't know anyone would agree with me. But I knew I had, I had Brother Don behind me on that one. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. I know in part, but I shall know fully, even as I have been known fully. Verse 13, and so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest of faith, hope, and love? Why is love the greatest? Because love shows up when all hope is lost. Love shows up when faith has fumbled the ball. Love shows up after Jesus is dead. Love shows up and says, let me care for the body. I don't have hope in this moment. I don't have faith in this moment, but I'm here. Some of the greatest pictures of faith are the pictures of uh, a mother's love or a parent's love where it seemed like all hope was gone. And in fact, if you were to ask the parent that they didn't have hope that their child would ever get off drugs, but they showed up. They never had hope that their child would ever be released from prison again, but they showed up. You see, love is greater than faith or hope because both faith and hope can fail, but love shows up. Um, love is, if you ever need to explain it all in a single word, if you ever need to give reason why humanity, our story is what it is, if you ever need to explain it all and you can only pick one word, pick love, because love will tell the story more than any other other word that you can find. And um, so I, I was thinking uh, about some of the great uh, relationships in the Bible, uh, not in the Bible, but in history of, of, of uh, lovers and uh, people who are uh, committed, you know, that great story of love. And uh, one, of the, one of the most interesting surprises to me was uh, a couple that I uh, was somewhat surprised uh, to read, and this was uh, John Adams and his wife. Um, I had never thought of them, John and Abigail uh, Adams, but we have actually, we actually have like 3,000 of their, their letters one to another, not 3,000, 1,000 of their letters. I had to wait for my notes to come back up where they, through all the seasons of their life, expressed their love uh, one to another. And in the ups and downs, the raising of children, the loss of children, uh, through success and defeat, they expressed their love one to another. And um, this is a quote from one of their letters. It won't sound anything like what you're used to, but this is them uh, pouring out their heart to one another. Abigail um, Adams wrote, there is a tie more binding than humanity and stronger than friendship. And by this cord, I am not ashamed to say that I am bound, nor do I believe that you are wholly free from it. And John wrote back, I want to hear you think, to see your thoughts. The conclusion of your letter makes my heart throb more than a cannonade would. You bid me burn your letters, but I must forget you first. <laughs> I just want you to know that this is how me and my wife speak to each other uh, on a regular basis. Like this past week, she said, if thou leavest thy underclothes upon the tiled cold floor even once more, thy blood shall be upon it. See, <laughs> That's how we speak, just, just, just regular, you know. Um, 
That's just, you'll never be that cool, so don't, don't, don't try to ever be that cool. Um, uh, love is the whole story. So we do what with love? We write about love. We sing about love. We make movies about love. We write books about love. Because no matter how cynical you are, if you will give the story a few minutes and let the circumstances invade your brain or get yourself to care about the characters at all, you will want, you will want to be, uh, you will either want love for them or you will want love for yourself or in some circumstances you may mourn love for yourself, uh, but love is the story of us for better, for worse, and historically it is both, but I want to take it a step further and I want to say love is the story of God. Amen. Love makes you do dumb things. People talk about when they ask me uh, if they, how do they know if they're in love? And as a pastor, I actually talk more than the average bear to uh, people who are trying to figure out if they are in love. And they'll always, particularly if I spend time with them, it won't come out. For some reason, this question doesn't get asked formally. Um, like in the pastor's office, that's, it doesn't get asked there. It gets asked casually, you know, how do you know if you're in love? How many of you, let me put you all on the spot. This won't cause any trouble. How many of you as a young person wondered if this is what love felt like? Raise your hand. I don't know why you didn't raise your hand, Dave. Your wife's working. There's no risk. I was the one who risked shedding blood upon the cold tiled floor. Not you. Uh, so it, it's a real. It's it's a real thing because we talk about what's the difference of loving versus being in love. Well, I like to describe it like this. Um, you can love as loyalty, you can love as commitment, you can have the love of family, the love of friends, and all of that is kind of a love that is within you. It's like a, as if you had the river within you, but when you fall in love, it's not as though the river is within you, it's as though someone threw you in the river. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? With a lot of relationships, you can control the river, so you don't tend to do a lot of dumb things when you're, you have love, but you're not in love. You don't tend to do dumb things. But when someone throws you in the river, you, you don't just have love in you, but you are in love. You do dumb things. Can I have a witness? All you husbands better say amen louder than that. That's all I had to say right there. Um, uh, when you're in love, you're uh, more than a little bit crazy, and there's so much poetry and song uh, about this. And uh, one of the fun things that I, I've done uh, this past week is I went to uh, artificial intelligence that has been released um, that has read the whole internet, all the text of the internet they put in there, and then they gave it a language model where it can uh, generate uh, really, really good um, writing. And so I asked it, how do I know if I'm in love and uh, the artificial intelligence that I shall afterward refer to as Dr. Spock. Dr. Spock said, uh, there are many ways to know if you're in love. Here's a few common signs. You think about the person a lot and they are often on your mind. Check. You feel a strong emotional connection to the person and you care about their well-being. You enjoy spending time with the person and you feel happy when you are around them. You feel a sense of commitment to the person and you want to build a future with them. You feel physical attraction to the person and enjoy being physically close to them. Of course, everyone is different and different people experience love in different ways. These are just a few helpful signs that you might be in love. And if you're not sure whether you're in love, it might be helpful to talk to someone you trust about your feelings. Not bad for Dr. Spock, right? 
Here's 12 scientific signs that they can test either in your hormones or by monitoring your brain that actually get reactions from you. They can see when you think about someone who is special, certain parts of your brain light up. You will focus on the positive of those people. Part of being in love is focusing on the positive elements of the object of your love. In fact, if you focus on the negative elements of the person you are in love with, you will soon begin to doubt whether or not you are in love with them. Mm, thank you, brother. Just take your time. Just, just thank you. My wife needs to hear that, brother. Just take your time and just, just build here three tabernacles. All right. David said it like this. Help me see the good of thy chosen. Yeah. David prayed that. Let me see the good of thy chosen. I can see some of your faults, but I won't feel good towards you if I focus on your faults. I want to see the good things about you. And so it is in our families, our friendships, and yes, our relationships. Part of being in love is to focus upon the positive. In fact, I would take it further and say, don't. whenever you catch yourself dwelling on the negative, why don't you make sure that you recount the positive before you are finished with the subject? Another sign of love is emotional instability, yes. Uh, intensifying attraction, yes. Intrusive thinking, yes. Emotional dependency, yes. Planning a future together. Feelings of empathy toward one another, aligning interests together, possessive feelings, craving an emotional union, and even, number 12, feeling out of control. I want you all to let those realities kind of settle upon this subject of love, everything we've talked about, but then I want to surprise you by saying something you would not expect, you would not expect about love. I've given you things you can nod your head to, okay? You can nod along and say, yep, that makes sense. Yep, yep, I was crazy. I wrote, I wrote that girl a poem. Me, I wrote her a poem. Holy cow. I read a book for that girl. Never read one since, but I read one for her. Yeah, I understand love. I get it. I'm there. I'm there. Now, let me surprise you. God commanded you to love him. Now, turn to your neighbor and say, that don't make no sense. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could command people to love you? This church would be so big. <laughs> I mean, we'd be having quadruple services. We would have, uh, it would be, we'd, uh, yes. If you could command someone to love you, and here is the Lord commanding us to love him, which makes no sense if our only perspective of love is going to be, if our only perspective to love is going to be that star of untouchable, inexpressible beauty that exists beyond the horizon and in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, where love is shown to us so mighty, so beautiful, so perfect, that we all just kind of say, help me, Lord. I don't know if I'll ever get there. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endure all things. Just shoot me already. <laughs> Can't do that. Can't do that. You see, here's the reality about me is I am shaped by how you treat me. And if you treat me in a certain way over time, it changes the shape of my heart. 
I wish it weren't that case. I wish I could just de demand myself. Stay with me. I could demand myself that no matter how many times I hear what you said about me, I'm not going to let it affect how I see you. But I'm going to be honest with you. Y'all going to have to pray for this preacher. You hurt me enough. It changes the shape of my heart. Now, I hope I'm never malevolent towards you because that's a whole different thing there. Yeah, I mean, I can agree not to like you and not want to hurt you. I, uh, the Lord will help me. I'll never be malevolent toward anyone. I'll never rejoice in your sorrow. I'll never be happy when you hurt. But honey, when it comes to who gets the hug and the COVID kiss, it may not be you. <laughs> Uh, you hurt me enough, and it 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 malforms me. Yeah. And so um, here is Jesus commanding us to love him. Here is God commanding us to love him. What is the first commandment? The first commandment. I've got to give it all to God. Let's just make it simple in American vernacular here. I've got to, the Lord commands me to love him. That makes no sense if I only see love as a destination and not a spiritual becoming. Let me say that again to this side of the church because they don't love as much as you guys. They're kind of uglier over here, all right? If love only exists as a star in the sky, I, I can't do it. I'll never get there. I have to see love as a spiritual becoming. And can this section say amen? It's a spiritual becoming. That's why in the middle of, watch, impossible love, in the middle of impossible love, in the middle, say it with me, of impossible love, Paul says this, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child, but I didn't stay there. In the middle of the potential of love within our lives is this reality. I've got to start where I am, and if I will make an effort, I will do better. I've got to start with what I have, and this is how God commands us to love him. He commands us to love him. That's an objective thing, but he doesn't do it with an objective standard. Real quick, just to remind you, subjective is how you see it. Objective is how it is. So subjective, uh, I am not a big fan of country music, but objective country music is awesome. Who doesn't want to cry in their beer? I mean, you understand what I'm saying? One is subjective, it's opinion. The other is absolute. So God does this. I, if you don't get this, you're going to miss this. He gives us the objective, but he couches it in the terms of the subjective. And he says it like this. I want you to love me. That's objective, okay? Here's the subjective. With all your mind, with all your heart, with all your strength, that's God saying, whatever you've got, I want you to start by giving it to me. I'm not asking you for something you can't do. Oh, hallelujah, man. If I was in a, if I, I, I might even could preach a little bit here today. God's not asking you for something you can't do. He's saying, what will you give me? Will you start there? Your heart, your mind, your strength. It's an absolute goal, but the formula starts with a personal subjective. Let me say it this way. You can start right now loving God. No, it won't be what you'll do in a few years, but you can start right now loving God. You can start right now saying, I give you my all, Lord Jesus. You can start right now saying, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord Jesus. Are you perfect? No, no risk of that. But whatever you've got, would you give it right now? 
Lord, I'm, I'm starting in 23. I'm going to give you everything I have. I can't give you something I don't have. I don't have the wisdom I'm going to have later. I don't have the understanding I'm going to have someday. But what I have right now, I'm going to give to you. Somebody ought to stand up right now and lift their hands and say, what I've got, I give to you. Where I am, I give it to you. I start out this year, what I've got, I give it to you. I'm not proud of what I've got, but I'm giving it to you. I'm not super pleased with what I've got, but I'm giving it to him. I'm not super happy with where I am, but I'm giving it to him. This is the story of all spiritual growth. If you don't get anything else I say, please get this. There is an objective, impossible, that God directs us toward. It's an objective, impossible. There's no risk of you getting there anytime. Men ought always to pray. Come on already. Who do you think you are? Men get the biggest uh, get-out-of-jail-free card in the world. Bible tells us men ought to pray. It ought to pray. And it says it like a lot. Yes. Have you ever heard of a prayer standard being put on a single man anywhere? Never happened in the history of the world. My wife, she's really getting blessed right now. The objective impossible. Love your enemies. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Do good to them that do evil toward you. The objective impossible. That's where we're aiming. That's not where we're starting. Where we're starting is the subjective possible. So I want you to love me. But I want you to start with what you have to give. Wherever you are, your heart, not my heart, your strength, not my strength. Praise God. 23 is a new year. And what I'm asking you to do is to start this year with this question. How do I really love God? How do I really love God? You see, because our relationship with God is kind of like the whole enchilada. I know no one expected the whole enchilada to be used in a theological discourse. But hey, I aimed a surprise. Uh, loving God is pretty much the whole show. Do you see what I'm saying? In fact, if you don't get this, what you will do is you will live your life in the thou shalt nots. You will live your life in the thou shalt nots. This is the image most people have of church. How can I pick on Taylor? Thou shalt not hit Sister Lisa over the head. <laughs> Who else can I pick on around here today? Oh, I better move right along. <laughs> if you don't get love, you will live your whole life in the thou shalt nots. Now, you think that I made this up, and thank you for so flattering me, but this is deeper than me. This is a biblical truth. If you don't get love, you will live your life in the thou shalt nots. Example, of 10 Old Testament commandments, um, there's only one thou shalt 
There's only one thou shalt. And the rest of them, with the exception of honor your father and your mother, honor the blessed mother, um, with the exception of honor than that, everything else is thou shalt not. And you know why we have thou shalt not? It's because people can't live in the thou shalt. And this is the whole point of the lawyer coming to Jesus and trying to trap him in uh, the perceived goodness of the lawyer. And he's like, you know, um, uh, I, I, what's the, you know, what's the greatest commandment, uh, uh, Rabbi? What's the greatest commandment? Uh, so he, here comes the answer to the greatest commandment. Are you ready to say it with me? Thou shalt. Remember, there's only one thou shalt. There's only one. Somebody say one. one. There's only one. Thou shalt love Come on, say it with me. Don, you love to quote scripture. Say it out loud. Don, uh, thou love. Y'all need to study the Bible on this side of the church. That's, that's, that's what I need to say about that. There's one thou shalt. You got one thing. One thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then Jesus, not content with that, moves along and he says this. All the law and all the prophets are encapsulated in this. All the law and all the prophets. If you could get this right, you wouldn't need the thou shalt not. Um, my point in trying to establish this is if we pursue real affection, devotion, and joy in the presence of God, if we pursue it, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying this is the call of a lifetime. This is the call of a lifetime to pursue the, the joy, the presence of the Lord Jesus. If you could get that right, it would be as though you would not need the law to instruct and you would not need the prophets to rebuke. You would not need the law to instruct and you would not need the prophets to rebuke. Why? Because you got the gist of the matter. Let's go to the New Testament. After the angel of the Lord, speaking with the very voice of Jesus, speaks to the church and he lists all the things that they have done well. He says this to them, there's something I have that's bothering me. There's something that is disturbing me. You have left your what? First love. You see, once you get out of a love story, now you have to worry about law. When you get out of a love story, now you have to start using discipline because the shout, one shout, is greater than an Old Testament full of thou shalt nots. One shout. And it goes like this. Lord, I'm trying to love you. I don't have the kind of love you're talking about. I don't even know where to begin, but this is what I've been challenged to do. Whatever I have, whatever I have, I'm going to start by giving it to you, and then I'm going to grow. I might be speaking as a child now. I might be praying as a child now. I might be studying as a child, but Lord, whatever I have, I'm giving it to you. I'm, I'm starting with you. I am, I am dedicating my life, my heart to you. If you ever learn to love the presence of the Lord, you will never struggle with intimacy in his presence. If you ever have intimacy in his presence, you never have to worry about whether or not he knows you. Because the problem of those who knew doctrine but were cast out of his presence is that in spite of their doctrine, they never knew him. 
So I'm challenging us this year to commit to loving God, to pursuing his presence, uh, to think about God a lot. So I'm going to show you some of the, I'm going to go back through some of these lists and I'm going to ask you to term, uh, to term them in, uh, in uh, spiritual ways. I want to think about God a lot this year. I want to have God on my mind a lot this year. I want to have a strong emotional connection to God this year. I want to care how he feels about things. Can I have a bigger amen than that? You know, I, I enjoy spending time with God. I want to spend more time with God, and I, I feel happy when I feel like he is near uh, to me. I, I, feel, I feel a sense of commitment to God. I feel a sense that uh, he's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all, and I really want to build a future with God. I feel attraction to the beauty of the Lord. I'm not talking in the physiology. Why? That's the part of me that's passing away. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm talking about the beauty of soul and the perfection of mind and the glory of grace. I'm talking about real timeless attraction. I just want to be close to him. These are the elements that are signs of our our love for someone or our love for for God. And so if we can commit to loving him, we will have fulfilled the whole of the law, the whole of the prophets. We will live in a New Testament state of being. And so I, I know this is a little different sermon today. I am challenging you in this first regular scheduled Sunday of the new year to make a commitment that goes like this. I want to love you, Lord. Now, when I say love, it's a little bit intimidating. So I'm going to do it like this. What I have is what I'm giving you, Lord Jesus. I'm starting right here. I've got work to do. I'm looking forward to a day when I can stand with Job and say, though you slay me, I'm going to serve you. But Lord, I don't know if that's me today. I'm feeling a little weak and a little insecure. And you know how I do, Lord. I do good, then I do not so good. You know me. I'm, I'm a sick of me. I don't know why you love me, but here I am. And so I, I, I'm going to tell you this. What, what I have, what is my subjective truth is going to be yours. And I'm going to trust you to lead me toward an objective impossibility by making me more like you until a day comes when I behold you face to face and I stand with the lover of my soul and I am complete, not temporal, not short terms, not insecure. All the ugliest of me is bound up in my insecurity. All the stuff about me I dislike is bound up in my insecurity. But when I come full, become fully secure in you, Lord Jesus, man, I'm going to be such a better person than I am right now. <laughs> And I'm looking forward to that. I'm opening my spirit to that. If you will give God what you have, your mind, your heart, your strength, he will take you toward everything that is necessary and value valuable in your spiritual becoming. Now, I want to talk about the hard part of love here before I'm done. Uh, musicians, you can come. I'm trying to find a place to quit. But sometimes I have to go around the airport multiple times uh, before I can actually get you to the terminal and inside where you can collect your baggage and go home. So just call this officially the, the, the terminal circling stage, okay? Terminal circling. That means we've been circling for a long time. Terminal circling. Um, it goes like this. Love um, in the Bible is shown to us um, as 
action not expressed to us as feeling. Now, uh, let me say that slightly different. Jesus, in his speaking to his disciples, emphasizes the actions whereby you show your love, not the emotions whereby you experience your love. Because all love has experience. That's the ooey-gooey good stuff that when people have it, you want to slap them and tell them to get a room already. Actually, that's not a good thing to say to people, but I thought it was funny, and then only people over here laughed, but this is the carnal side, so um, that's, that's what we're working with today. Um, I don't know if you've ever been with newlyweds, uh, not newlyweds, uh, newly engaged, they're worst, holy cow. They've got all the love and all the frustration, you know, um, I didn't say that. I, um, so uh, they're just ooey gooey, and they're just, oh, no, you hang up first. 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 My brother was da- was dating uh, Melanie, and uh, they would come. He would bring her to the house, and I was, I, no joke, I was like 14, worst possible age, worst possible age. And he would bring there, and they would just be like, oh, oh and I, 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 let me move along from this story. <laughs> Love is an emotion, and it's also a set of actions. And if your love does not transition between emotion to action, then what it has done is disqualified itself into something lower than love. I'm not saying this is easy. It's the hardest part of love. Because everybody is good with the ooey-gooey. Because that is the intoxication, and we're all drug addicts for love. And there are people who never discover the depths of love because they enjoy frolicking in the shallows of love so much. And although they become uh, experienced in loving the body, they have never grown into a deeper love of loving a soul. And I just want to say this, as the years pass, the love of a soul is so much richer than the pleasure of the body. The love of the soul is where you finally take a breath. It's where you finally relax into each other. It's where two finally become one. Because as long as it's pleasure of the body, you will always lie to each other. And if you're still lying to each other, it's because your souls have never fallen in love. I'm not talking about like like little lies. I just want to know little lies are okay in marriage. Little lies. Totally okay in marriage. Little lies are totally okay in marriage. Don't you act righteous than me. There better be a man in this house. Your wife, your wife, show up, honey. Does this dress make me look big? You better lie. You better learn how to lie and repent later. You say I might go to hell, honey. If you don't lie, you're gonna be in hell right now. You best learn how to lie like a devil, baby. I don't know what you're talking about. All I want to do is stare at you. Truth is, that extra hot dog starting to show up. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 
love has to transition from the flesh, the temporal. It has to transition to falling in love with a person's soul. How do you stay in love with their soul? Well, let me just real quick give some marriage advice, okay? Uh, the person you think you know is changing. Do you know how? If you don't know how, you've got some work to do. You need to talk. You need to ask them what they think about something. You need to ask open-ended questions and you need to listen. But if you don't shut up and listen, you'll never get to know the person they're becoming. Can I get an amen from Pastor Don? He has to say amen. He's on the front row right here. Um, you fall in love with their soul. And that's how this changes from pleasure of the body, the flesh. It changes into action. Or let me say it this way, emotion to action. Some of you guys are so nervous. You would think the devil invented sex. Just relax. It's okay. All the kids are next door, except for those of you who brought them over here. And your kids probably know more than you do. Not really. Just cutting up. When love switches to action, it goes like this. Jesus can now say, if you love me, keep my commandments, which is a real fancy way of saying this. Sometimes you're going to feel it. <laughs> Sometimes you're not. But you're going to wear love on your sleeve by showing me your actions. You see what I'm saying? If you love me, keep my commandments. That is actions. But that is to fall in love not with a feeling, but with a soul. So I want to show you one thing. I wasn't going to do this, but um, I'm off the reservation already, and I don't know how I can make this worse today. So uh, let me just do this because I don't know how I can, wait, I can make it worse. So Psalms 30 or Psalm 63 gives you a picture of being in love with a person or God as opposed to being in love with what God can do for you. Because the most common error of the Christian is to be in love with what God can do for you, but not to be in love with who God is and what he represents. David writes, when does he write this? He is in the wilderness of Judah. He is in fear of his life. He is a long way away from a throne room. And he says, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. I'm not talking about early prayer. Although that does kind of work. Let me move along. Oh God, my God, early I will seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. What do we pray in dry and thirsty lands? We pray, God, show us the water. What do we pray in a desert? We say, God, lead us to water. But David's showing us the difference in being in love with God versus being in love with what God can do for you. He's not saying, God, show me the water. He's saying, God, I'm thirsty for you. And he's using the thirst in his life to testify of his desire for God to see thy power and thy glory. So as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. 
Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. I'm not saying, God, give me marrow and fatness in this dry and hungry land. I'm saying if I could have you, it would be as though I had were full. And my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. And on and on and on he goes. Do you see the difference in being in love with God and being in love with what God can do for you? Stand with me all across the house. We're going into 23, and we are hungry for the presence of God. I am asking you to seriously pray this prayer. God, I am I giving you what I could give you? I don't want you to ask yourself if your love is perfect. Your love is not perfect. Just let that ship sail on uh, into the night. Your love is not perfect, okay? Uh, God's love is perfect. None of our love has any threat of being perfect. Trust me. That's not the right question. The right, the, 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 that's the wrong question. The right question is, am I giving you what I could give you? Am I loving you as I could love you? And what could I do to show my heart of thanksgiving towards you? Would it be more discipline in my schedule? Would it be more discipline in my time? Would it be more discipline in the lusts of my flesh? Would it be a turning away from false? gods? Would I finally get tired of lying to myself? What could I do to give you not the best, but my best? (laughs) Because as long as you create an impossible goal, you'll never start. And so God challenges you with an objective impossible. Love God by a subjective possible, by saying your heart, your strength, your ability, whatever you've got, I want you to give it to God in 2023. Whatever you can do. Would you lift your hands all across this house and say, Lord, I'm gonna give you my heart, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna start with the imperfect place I am. I'm gonna start with the broken place I am. I'm gonna start with the downtrodden place I am. I'm gonna give you that place, oh God. Lord Jesus, we here at First Church, we're not trying to pretend we're perfect in any way. We're quite far from perfection, but we're giving you right where we are, where our feet are today. We claim it for your kingdom, where our feet are today. Tomorrow we'll claim tomorrow's ground, but today we're giving ourselves to you in the here and in the now. I give myself to you, God. I dedicate myself to you. Lord Jesus, I'm not waiting until I have a perfect love. I'm giving you what I've got today. I'm not waiting until I have a perfect faith. I'm giving you what I've got today. I'm not waiting until I have enough to feed the thousands. I'm giving you five loaves and two small fishes right here, right now, today. you to make a commitment right now as your head's bowed, as your eyes are closed. How many of you will raise your hands and make a commitment to God this year and say, Lord Jesus, I'm giving you, I'm giving you whatever I have and wherever I am, I'm giving it to you this year. What I have, I'm not claiming to be perfect. I'm not even close, but I'm giving you right where my feet are standing. I'm giving you right where my life is. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. 
you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.